A few months ago, I felt a strong call to program a service to appeal for Juneteenth to be made a national holiday. We needed a day to commemorate the end of this atrocious 250 year legacy and celebrate freedom for all. In fact, it's been 400 years since African people were first brought to this country to be enslaved. Our National Independence Day holiday on July 4th was never truly Independence Day for everyone. Sure, white people got independence from the British, but Black Americans, Native Americans, and others were still enslaved or oppressed. There was race-based chattel slavery, not liberty and justice for all as our constitution claims. So I researched it, I signed petitions, and I planned a service to galvanize us to help make this law. Ayana and I collaborated and Siobhan created graphics for it to spread the word. And then this week, as most of you know, Congress miraculously voted to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. And on Thursday, President Biden signed the bill into law. So we quickly pivoted and changed the title and description and our graphics saying it should be a national holiday because now it is. And I see some celebration for that. Clearly, we weren't the only ones who felt this strong tide of change needed in our nation. So let's take a moment together now to celebrate. Honoring Juneteenth allows for a more complete acknowledgement of our nation's history. Two and a half years after signing the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863, and months after the ending of the Civil War, June 19th, 1865 marks the day our country's painful legacy of slavery was effectively ended. It's the day when Union soldiers made it to Galveston, Texas, and General Granger enforced the Emancipation Proclamation and freed the remaining quarter of a million enslaved people. Many Southern slave owners had moved to Texas to keep their enslaved people out of the reach of the Union Army. But all people were not actually freed at that time. Surprisingly, enslaved people were still held in Union territory until the 13th Amendment was ratified on December 6th, 1865, six months later. So there's actually somewhat of a debate which day should officially mark the end of slavery. Freed Texans began celebrating June 19th right away, and as newly freed people migrated north, they brought with them this tradition of celebrating what they called Jubilee Day. And now it has become the most acknowledged festivity nationwide, marking the end of slavery. And the word Juneteenth came from one of those Texan word combinations like y'all. I remember growing up in England and my Texan cousins came to visit. And I'm like, what's y'all? And I realized, oh, it's you all. And similarly in Texas, they combined June 19th to be Juneteenth. So Juneteenth is a chance to celebrate freedom dignity and equal rights for all people in the United States. It's a matter of great spiritual importance for our faith because we honor the inherent worth and dignity of everyone. We work for justice, equity, compassion, and liberty for all. Lack of freedom and dignity for anyone affects everyone. 
because we're all interconnected, my friends. Juneteenth is a celebration of the human spirit, of the resilience, courage, and endurance of Black Americans. Not only were Black people subjected to 250 years of forced enslavement, but then another 150 years of segregation, Jim Crow laws, lynching, and ongoing prejudice and oppression. So Juneteenth reminds us that the struggle is not over. We witness daily the ongoing harm of political and voting disenfranchisement, of racial, racial profiling, of white supremacy culture, and the environmental pollution of Black communities. My friends, it is time. It is time to say no more to that oppression, to that subjugation and disrespect. No more to the destruction of human and civil rights. No more to the indiscriminate killing, or more accurately, discriminatory killing of Black people. It is time to acknowledge our country's wrongdoings and continue the long march toward really living into America's founding ideals. It is time to celebrate our Black fellow Americans and continue to work for equality and freedom for all. President Barack Obama said Juneteenth has never been a celebration of victory or an acceptance of the way things are. It's a celebration of progress. It's an affirmation that despite the most painful parts of our history, change is possible. And there is still so much work to do. There is indeed so much more work to do, as many of you know. And as President Biden said when he commemorated the horrific Tulsa race massacre last month that happened a century ago, and when signing Juneteenth into law this week, he said, great nations don't ignore their most painful moments. They embrace them. Great nations don't walk away. We've come to terms with the mistakes we made. And in remembering those moments, we begin to heal and grow stronger. We can't rest until the promise of equality is fulfilled for every one of us in every corner of this nation. And that, to me, is the meaning of Juneteenth. Biden calls on us to make it a national day of reflection and action. And this is actually the first federal holiday established since Martin Luther King Jr. Day in 1983. That was 38 years ago. So my friends, I call on us as Unitarian Universalist people of faith who side with love to deepen and expand our work for racial justice. I call on us to start looking into and advocating for reparations for the violation and denial of human rights for hundreds of years in this country. Urge your senators to pass critical voting rights legislation. We still have a lot of work to do to remove the scourge of racism from our country's institutions and systems. The Reverend Tracy Blackmon, a pastor just outside of Ferguson, Missouri, from the United Church of Christ, explains it this way. She says, I am mindful 
of lawmakers who unanimously vote to celebrate Juneteenth, but refuse to enact the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill or the For the People Act to protect the voting rights of the descendants of those freed on the day the nation now cheers. I am mindful that while announcements flood the headlines of this new federal holiday, governors are using state power to ban accurate teaching of American history in this country and thwart the intellectual engagement of critical race theory in institutions of higher learning. I am mindful that we celebrate Juneteenth as a holiday in a country that since 1900 has repeatedly failed to pass anti-lynching legislation. My friends, can you believe that? Our government still can't pass anti-lynching legislation? It boggles the mind and heart. I appeal to us, I appeal to us all to heed Reverend Blackman's prophetic words and take action for racial justice and equality for all. I appeal to us to live out our UU principles. In fact, I appeal to our decency and common humanity to work for basic human dignity for all. So I invite you to join our active Chalice Racial Justice team. They meet on the second Wednesday of every month if you want to work toward the promise of our faith and democracy. Or if you are Black, Indigenous, or a person of color, we invite you to join our new local UU BIPOC group. Advocate for the Voting Rights Bill or for the For, People Act, for the People Act or the Commission to Study Reparations Proposals for African Americans. I call on you to look deep within your conscience and find a way to do your part to ensure liberty, justice, and equity for all. In a moment, I'm so grateful that Ayana is willing to share her experience during the service. Her writing continues to blow me away and I hope she's gonna get published soon. Her voice is so important for us all to hear. But before Ayana shares her story, I close with the words of Nelson Mandela. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love, for love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. May we expand and open our hearts to love. May it be so. Thank you, Reverend Nika, for that wonderful introduction and that wonderful homily. As a child growing up in Denver in the latter part of the 20th century, I had heard of Juneteenth, but only in passing. Classmates would talk of celebrating the holiday and not having any idea of what that entailed. I imagined people having a cake and blowing out candles. When I was a little older, I realized that it was exclusively my black classmates that talked about the holiday. Denver is a multicultural city and the neighborhood I grew up in 
Park Hill was one of the most successfully integrated neighborhoods in the United States at the time. At some point, I asked my mother what Juneteenth was, but she had never heard of it. I eventually got the gumption to ask a close friend of mine what Juneteenth was. She gave me the same pitying look that she gave me when I asked what chitlins were when we were in fourth grade. Chitlins are, for the uninitiated, a black Southern culinary dish made from pig intestines. The best, best way to understand black Southern cuisine is to remember that much of it has roots in the food traditions of oppression, when slaves and freedmen alike had to survive on foods either passed down to the, them by the masses or food that they could afford. But I digress. My friend explained that the holiday Juneteenth celebrated when slaves were finally free. Oh, that seemed cool enough, I thought, but why hadn't I heard of this holiday in school? What I didn't realize at the time, of course, was that the history books we used in school contained a sanitized version of the history told by the white majority. I eventually gleaned that Juneteenth involved the state of Texas, namely that black families who moved from the, that state to Denver were the primary celebrants. Frankly, anything having to do with Texas makes a Colorado native cranky as the two states have a long-standing rivalry. So I quickly dismissed Juneteenth from my mind. I didn't think much more about Juneteenth until June, 2020. The year 2020 was a dumpster fire in general for many, but for black Americans, it was devastatingly traumatic as well with George Floyd's death in May and his dying cries of, I can't breathe, calling back memories of Eric Garner's eerily similar death at the hands of police in 2014. Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor were also killed in 2020 and their deaths along with Mr. Floyd's murder galvanized global protests against white supremacy and police brutality, even in the midst of a pandemic. Chants and signs filled the streets as they had after the 2014 death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, and arguments over the concept of Black Lives Matter were renewed. Allies and accomplices of all races and ethnicities joined in the protests. They went on for weeks, for months. I had friends who participated in them. I, however, was afraid to march. I had taken to the safety of my apartment early on in the pandemic, as I had health conditions that made COVID-19 particularly dangerous to me. I felt guilty and useless sitting at home and wished desperately that I could somehow make my voice heard. I read live updates on Twitter, looked at images online and felt my stomach clench and tears prick my eyelids. Then I started seeing lists on the internet, lists of books to read, lists of black businesses to support, 
lists of ways to be a supportive ally or accomplice. And there were lists of ways to celebrate Juneteenth during the pandemic. Suddenly, Juneteenth was back in my consciousness. This time, I made more of an effort to learn more about it. And I discovered the Texas connection. It all of a sudden made sense why my mom, who grew up in Baltimore and moved to Denver in 1970, didn't know what Juneteenth was. It wasn't an East Coast holiday. Juneteenth had its roots in Galveston and was brought to Denver by Blacks who moved there from Texas in the early to mid 1900s. In doing research for this reflection, I learned that Denver has had its own regional Juneteenth celebration held in the Five Points neighborhood since 1953. Five Points was historically the center of Black culture in Denver and is today a vibrant multicultural neighborhood known today for its Juneteenth Music Festival. But in June 2020, I only knew that it was now important that I connect with my Black roots, but I didn't know how. I knew very, very, very few Black people in California. I realized that I would have to rely on my own resources and those of the internet. Fortunately, I had earlier learned of a one-day online conference for Library and Information Science, or LIS, professionals who are Black, Indigenous, or people of color, otherwise known as BIPOC. The BIPOC, the BIPOC in LIS Mental Health Summit was to be held on Juneteenth itself, and I decided to attend it. I was lucky in that my employer had decided to give Juneteenth off as a holiday, so I did not have to take time off. The Mental Health Summit was a balm to my soul. The presenters discussed how people of color could engage in self-preservation and self-care, especially during a time when so many in library and information science, a profession in which 88% of librarians are white, were calling upon us to educate them about racism instead of doing the hard work themselves. Having an opportunity to bond with other people of color was invaluable. As much as I treasured my friends and allies, there was value in spending time, however brief, talking with others who understood the pressures of being a minority in a profession that often liked to see itself as neutral and above the problems of racism, despite evidence to the contrary. There was still the question of how to spend the weekend of Juneteenth. Weekends during quarantine were especially lonely for me as I was not allowed to have my son Griffin spend the night with me and our time together was reduced to weekly lunches on Sunday. I felt the urge to somehow mark the importance of the day. I then learned that the channel HBO Max was free that weekend. This was important because one of their shows was the revolutionary series Watchmen based on the epic comic book novel. The television series begins with the Tulsa race massacre of 1921 when white mobs attacked black residents and destroyed the Greenwood district which at the time was known as Black Wall Street. The main thrust of the story centers around the ramifications of that real life horrific act, as well as the fictional annihilation of most of the modern day Tulsa police force 
by a white supremacist gang. While the violence may be too much for some, I was riveted by Watchmen's use of history, foreshadowing and superhero tropes. And I binged the entire series during Juneteenth weekend. Not only did I learn about the Tulsa race massacre, which I had never heard about before watching the series, despite Oklahoma's proximity to Colorado, I also gained a renewed appreciation for those who fought for justice, even while suffering generational and historical trauma. Watchmen changed me. My celebration of Juneteenth in 2020 was certainly untraditional, yet it held a lot of meaning for me. I reconnected with a part of myself that I had mentally and spiritually ignored after years of having classmates tell me that I acted white and that I listened to white music. I started listening to more music by black musicians, devouring the Black Lives Matter playlist on the streaming platform Spotify. I started trying to support black businesses when I could. And now in 2021, Juneteenth has been made into a federal holiday. I'm thrilled that this has finally happened, yet I cannot ignore the fact that right now, state legislatures are attempting or successfully passing laws that make it illegal to teach historical racism in schools. Legislation has been proposed in 22 states and successfully passed in five, including Texas. This makes me wonder, how will schools in these five states explain Juneteenth to their students? How will they teach slavery? Will they teach the lie that slaves were happy to be chattel? Will they ignore the Tulsa race, riot, race massacre now that President Biden has rightfully recognized it? How can we rid our country of white supremacist culture if students are denied the opportunity to learn vital facts about history to avoid repeating it. It will take more than the actions of members of marginalized groups to challenge and change the inherent culture of our country. It will take white allies and allies willing to become accomplices, people who are willing to risk what they have socially or physically in order to change the status quo. Juneteenth doesn't have to be a black holiday. Consider using the time to reflect on the contradictions of a country that nationally recognizes the holiday, but locally restricts learning about why it is needed. Consider becoming an ally. Consider becoming an accomplice. Just consider.